This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So you want to play in a big league spring training game. Why, sure, random minor leaguer in the Cardinals organization. Here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to put you on a bus, point you north through the Florida marshland, dump you into the Clover Park parking lot, and hand you a plastic spork. And you don't have to just take down Godzilla. Later in the day, there will be a Decepticon on the mound, too. That was a Sunday assignment for the young North Carolina native Alec Burleson. I mean, I'd like to be in the big leagues for a day myself, but facing Scherzer and DeGrom? What am I, an idiot? (laughs) The double dose of Hall of Fame nastiness was on display in Port St. Lucie Sunday. The Mets getting ready for their April 7th opener. We will tell you how it went, because this... Is Mets in the morning? Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing. Now here's Josh Lewin. Scooby Doo. Good luck against Scherzer and Degrom. Alec Burleson. You talk about pointing a bazooka at an anthill. Sunday, the Mets decided to piggyback a pair of future Hall of Famers against a Cardinals lineup that couldn't have been more of a white flag if it had been a um, a white flag. Juan Yepes at first base instead of Paul Goldschmidt. Former Mets quasi-prospect Ali Sanchez at catcher, not Yadi Molina. And yes, the aforementioned poor Alec Burleson in left, where it must have slowly dawned on him that this was some kind of ask from his bosses on a quiet Sunday afternoon. Josh Lewin with you. The Mets won the game, predictably, 7-3. There is a John Mulaney bit that comes to mind, uh, just talking about how things must have coalesced in the mind of not only this Burleson kid, but some of the others that were forced in there. So he talks about on Law & Order, when Ice-T always plays that detective the same way, where he can't quite fathom what's really happening and it has to be explained to him like a hundred times and he keeps saying you mean to tell me like over and over and over again and and finally they're all like yeah you got it ice so anyway that was what was i was thinking about like how the cardinals were dealing with that like wait a minute degrom and scherzer it's almost a comical storyline. Two of the best pitchers in the entire National League, both pitching in the same game against the same watered-down lineup. It's like serving lobster and steak when all anybody was expecting in spring training some sort of casserole. DeGrom was supposed to go three innings, and he did. He allowed four hits, one run, no walks, five strikeouts, needed 52 pitches to do it. All of his strikeouts on off-speed stuff. His fastball looked fine at 97. He wasn't overdoing it, which was kind of nice. The slider and the changeup were the five strikeout pitches, and the only run coming in on a single by the native New Yorker, Harrison Bader. St. Louis has a heck of an outfield. I will give them that. Bader, Carlson, Tyler O'Neill. Uh, O'Neill, the guy who's the son of the Canadian bodybuilder, 
He's a slugger who's also won a gold glove, mostly because of how well he goes back on balls. It's pretty impossible to, to double over that guy's head. Some of that is sprint speed. A lot of that is correct positioning, which is why Mookie Wilson's in camp, for example, right now, working on that kind of stuff with the Mets. But anyway... You then realize St. Louis also has that Lars Nootbaar dude now as well. Remember that three-run homer that he stole from Pete Alonso late September last year? I'm not saying the St. Louis outfield is what the Mets had in the late 80s or in 1969, but it's a lot better than it was a couple of years ago. And I'm just realizing now that is a good off-topic topic. Best Mets outfield of all time. 1988, that's the year the Mets had the two MVP caliber players in Strawberry and McReynolds. They finished second and third, kind of splitting the vote, allowed Kirk Gibson to win it, even though he didn't go to the All-Star game that year. That Mets duo combined for 66 home runs, 200 runs batted in. You throw in the platoon tandem of Lenny Dykstra and Mookie Wilson, you have an understanding of why the Mets led the majors and runs scored that year, and home runs and OPS. But then you consider 1969. Tommy Agee, 26 home runs, made a lot of great catches. He was top six in the MVP voting. The left fielder, Cleon Jones, was number seven in MVP voting, had his best season. He hit 340. Ron Swoboda didn't have the, the numbers of those two, but he offset that by hitting 400 in the World Series and had the great couple catches in Game 4, the clinching hit in Game 5. Art Shamsky was a super sub outfielder. So you can't go wrong with either of those choices. Uh, I'm just noting that it's certainly not the outfield of the, uh, the mid part of last decade, the one anchored by Colin Cowgill. Anyway, uh, we were talking about Scherzer. Now that we've talked about DeGrom, let's do this. Scherzer's only major issue in his six innings on Sunday, uh, he gave up a home run to a former Texas Rangers prospect named Anderson Tejada. But other than that, it was six strong innings, final line. It was six innings, three hits, two runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. So Max now has a two-game spring training ERA of 2.4. DeGrom is in with a 1.8. You're going to be reminded at times this year that Max Scherzer will make more money all by himself than all 40 players combined on the rosters of the A's, the Pirates, the Orioles, and Guardians, who used to be the Indians and and also used to be good. Anytime someone gets all hot and bothered about that, let me give you a little trump card that you can play here. Or if somebody hates the fact that Taiwan Walker is making $7 million or Seth Lugo is making three point nine. Vanna White's annual salary for turning letters over on, on Wheel of Fortune is $4 million a year. Vanna White makes more than Seth Lugo. That is the real atrocity, because I guarantee you Seth can turn letters around, but Vanna cannot strike anyone out with her curveball. Back to the game. <laughs> the Mets getting the 7-3 win. They pounded out 12 hits, did it without Brandon Nimmo, didn't play because of a sore left thumb. Poor Brandon celebrating his 29th birthday by being scratched from the lineup. It's not expected to be a big deal. Francisco Lindor having a big spring training, a pair of home runs on Sunday, and another hit thrown into the stew for good measure. He's got four extra base hits and 18 plate appearances so far. He's hitting 412. Two hits for the polar bear, Pete Alonso. He got an opposite field home run from Tomas Nito off Dakota Hudson. Nito also had a home run the other day in an intra-squad game against Carlos Carrasco. James McCann with the day off. He's still feeling the effects of a sore back, but he's expected to ramp things up again early this coming week. So seven runs on 12 hits, very nice. But the story, of course, was DeGrom and Scherzer sharing the spotlight. And for the fans who got to be there, some of them just kind of randomly, how cool is that to see them both 
I mean, the, the only thing that I can think of that I'd rather witness, I don't know if I'd rather witness it, but it would also be very cool. I just heard about a sport in Europe called chess boxing, and it's exactly what the name implies. Two opponents box for one round, then they sit at a table adjacent to the ring, they play a four-minute round of chess, and then there's more boxing, and then chess, and then boxing, then chess, until a winner is determined in one event or another. I think it would be cool if you could hit somebody while playing the chess part. But I'm not the commissioner of chess boxing. All right. Again, I've strayed way off topic. I apologize. Here is Scherzer talking to the media after he got done. First and foremost, you want to come out there, get your pitches in. So I got my 90 pitches in. Uh, that's what we're looking for, you know, six innings, nine pitches, and got right on the numbers. So that, that's the first and foremost thing. But, uh, no, I'm looking to be sharp. Uh, this one, this one, you know, you got six innings. Like, this is starting to feel like a game, feeling like, you know, this is what you need to do. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I got to get the fastball built in on lefties better. You know, I was missing down in the lefties, and that's just not what you can do. And just need to get more consistency on my slider. So I got things to work on. You could sharpen up. Uh, I got one start left before it's go time. So I got some work to do. Max was also asked about the novelty of coming out of the pen. It's not quite what he did to save that playoff game with the Dodgers last year. But following Jacob deGrom, that was an interesting twist. I think we all got to kick out of it. I mean, I'm coming out of the pen in spring, so. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just just another wrinkle to everything. So, uh, no, you just keep a smile on your face, go out there, take the ball. And, you know, I wanted to finish the game and was able to. So um, that's the most important thing was to get my six innings in. My warm-up's pretty quick, so I can, you know, it, it allows me to be able to come out of the pen like that. So, you know, I can kind of lag with the game and, you know, I can get ready pretty quick. And, you know, I'm, I'm used to having to deal with different things, adversity, you know, type of things. You just got to work around it. So uh, today was a different challenge, and you welcome it, and uh, you learn from it. Now, by the way, Scherzer's first regular season start, the one in Washington April 8th, will not be on regular or cable television. That game's been selected by Apple TV Plus as an exclusive game, part of the new contract they've got with MLB. So you've either got to already have an Apple TV subscription or you've got to download the app to see Scherzer's first Met start. Or, of course, listen to Howie and Wayne, which is a totally cool option on WCBS, or you know, get the MLB app and do it that way. Nothing wrong with some theater of the mind. It's called by two master craftsmen. But if you want to see Scherzer with your own eyes, debuting against his former team, you will need either uh, an April 8th rainout, pushing a start to April 9th, or a full tank of gas to get to D.C., and buy a ticket to get in. Not great, Bob. The good news, I guess, that April 8th game and a couple of the other early season games on Apple TV will be free if you don't already subscribe. You do have to kind of go through the the hoops of of getting this downloaded, but eventually that service is going to require a paid subscription if you want to see the Friday night baseball doubleheader. Apple is paying Major League Baseball $85 million a year over seven years for the exclusive package. So uh, put it in your family budget if you already have not done that. And I'm just a messenger on this one. I'll remind you about how to, to watch Thursday Night Football this coming September as well when we get there. I am headed back to Port St. Lucie, by the way, for a few more days now that UCLA is out of the, the basketball tournament. I'm seeing Caleb Love 25-footers going down in my sleep. But one thing about what I've seen so far with Buck Showalter and spring training. Just thought I'd share with you for a couple minutes. It is an absolutely well-oiled machine. That much I love. It's a, a totally a different tone. Uh, last year, 
it wasn't like it was out of control or nobody had any ideas. Uh, to the contrary, but you know, some of the things uh, were just different. And you know, remember when Luis Rojas performed that drill that had everybody simulating getting the final out of Game Seven of the World Series? They're practicing their their dog pile on the infield. Then the Mets went out and then went seventy seven and eighty five and. Luis Rojas was not retained. But uh, I didn't mind some of that stuff, but it just seems like this is what I would call a good old-fashioned spring training. And it's tough to explain this definitively, so maybe I'll just overwhelm you with a couple anecdotes and see if they help color the picture a bit. Buck is what I would call Socratic in his approach. If I remember my history right, Socrates supposedly taught and governed by posing questions that made you come up with the answer that he was looking for. He wouldn't say, don't hit this mouse with a rock. He would ask, if you were this mouse and sitting quietly in a field looking at the sky, how do you think you'd enjoy the experience of some rando bonking you on the head with a rock? And you'd say, huh, well, I guess personally I would not enjoy that. And Socrates would say, so, should we be hitting mice with rocks for no reason? And then you'd say, well, okay, well, now that I think about it, I guess probably not. So in that spirit, Buck goes up to Chris Bassett the other day and says, hey, I'm looking forward to your first start. Don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, you know the forecast for Thursday is for rain, especially at night. So I was wondering what, what you might want to do. I mean, we, we could gamble and just stick to the plan of pitching against the Marlins that night. But boy, I'd sure hate to, to lose those three innings and you'd be behind the other guys. What, what do you think? And Chris Bassett kind of studied Buck's face and said, you're, you're telling me you want me to pitch in that damn minor league game, aren't you? Yeah, you got it, Ice. See? Here's another example. Intra-squad game earlier this month before the major leaguers got there. Buck noticed one of the Mets prospects was in the dugout with this uh, green wig on and some big sunglasses. This story's been related in the media a couple times. Uh, Buck summoned one of the equipment guys over and said to to go tell the kid, hey, look, just so you know, when the major leaguers get here, uh, Buck is still going to need you guys to stay around and be available to fill in on some of the games, right, when when they get ready, get some at-bats late in games. So Buck says he's been looking all over for you because he's heard good things. He hasn't been able to find you. Well, a couple minutes later, the wig and the sunglasses are gone, presumably never to return. So basically, I mean, if you're hired to hang a wall clock in Buck Showalter's office, if he says to you, Hey, what do you think? Should that clock go where you've got it? Or do you think maybe, I don't know, maybe it might look better over this chair? What he's telling you is put the clock over the chair. There, you've cracked the code. That's Buck, and I am fine with that. It works. Uh, And he was the winning manager Sunday. (laughs) Mets have a winning spring training record, if you care. They won the the day before as well. I'm going to get you back to Saturday since there was a game that day as well. We will do so after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Saturday in West Palm Beach, Taiwan Walker threw two scoreless innings. His first start of spring training, Mets won that game 4-2 to two over the Nats. Walker's been behind the other starters. He had that knee surgery in mid-January. He allowed one hit, kind of a dubious hit, threw 20 pitches and then went and threw 20 more in the bullpen. The only quote-unquote hit was a pop-up that fell 
untouched in between Robinson Cano and Luis Guillorme. They both lost it in the sun. Eduardo Escobar had his first Mets home run in that game. Buck Showalter had reported that uh, earlier that day, Escobar had asked to go over to the Mets minor league camp, assemble all the, the teenaged Spanish speakers over there and tell them basically, hey, if I can make it, you can make it. I will see you in the big leagues. You know, that, that kind of arc. And I just think that's a great example of who Eduardo Escobar is. He's always trying to, to make his teammates and even people that are not yet his teammates better. The hitting star of the Saturday game was not Escobar, despite his home run. I think it was Jeff McNeil. He went two for three with a couple runs scored. One of the hits, this fourth inning triple. 1-0. McNeil lines to center, coming in for it. Robles dives and he can't get it. It bounces by him and rolls all the way to the wall. McNeil's on his way to second base. He'll get three easily as the right fielder Soto sends it in. And McNeil's at third with a stand-up leadoff triple. Wayne Randazzo on WCBS. McNeil would eventually come home with the game's first run. Then his next at bat, he drove one in. 2-2 on the way. Looped over third. That's going to be in for a base hit. Hitting third. Heading to the plate is Canna. Thomas's throw to the plate. Offline. Reaching for the tag, but not in time with it is Ruiz. So Canna scores. On at first with an RBI single is McNeil. The Mets are leading by a score of 3-2. Howie Rose with the call, and the Mets do win it 4-2. Let's talk a little Jeff McNeil, who Buck Walter sees as pretty much the everyday second baseman right now. Robinson Cano's off to a 1-for-12 start in spring training. That's not a death knell, but uh, he really does need to convince Buck that the second baseman shouldn't always be the squirrel. And McNeil crushed fastballs his first full season with the Mets. He hit 340 with a 545 slugging percentage. Last year, those numbers were down to 253 instead of 340, 349 instead of 545. He's still a guy that makes a lot of contact. He just has to make that contact count again. And no signs of any issues with his double play partner whatsoever. Lindor, we mentioned earlier, seems much more himself this spring training. The happy-go-lucky guy he always was in Cleveland. He's not forcing anything, not trying to be the guy. He's just being himself. And those two home runs on Sunday, one from each side of the plate, made you think that he's ready for a really nice April instead of that sand trap that he hit into last year. Remember, he was hitting the 100s with no power in April of last year. All right. Music is up. Seacrest out, so to speak. Let's thank our Mets in the Morning House band as we remind you to grab those 60% off tickets being made available to many Mets home games at Mets.com. Today, the band featured the following fine musicians and teammates of Colin Cowgills from 2013. On the keyboards, that was Eric Young Jr. Slapping to bass was Andrew Brown. The horn section, Rick Ann Keel. And on drums, Zach Lutz. This is Josh Lewin. We'll have some more interviews for you tomorrow as the Mets continue to have at it in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Take care. Thanks for listening. And let's go Mets.